Harvest Church. You and I have to change the way that we worship. In spirit and in truth. Come on and wait upon the Lord. 
down and rescued me. Your love came down and set me free. Now I am yours. I am for real yours. Mountain high or valley low, I sing out and remind my soul that I am yours. I am forever yours. If my heart is overwhelmed. Cannot hear your voice. I hold on to what is true. Oh, I cannot see. When the storms of life they come, and the road ahead gets steep, I will lift my hands in faith, and I will. Remind myself of all you've done in the life I have because of your son. Oh, your love came down and rescued me. Your love came down and it set me free. Now I am yours. I'm for Mountain high or valley low, Lord, I sing out and remind my soul that I am yours. I'm for yours. Then I will wait upon the Lord. You will renew. I will wait upon the Lord. You will renew my strength. Yes, you renew my strength. Oh, you renew. Oh, Jesus.
at the center. Lord, I place you at the center. Everybody that helped yesterday, I think we got way 
more done than even what we expected. It was hot. It was dirty. But it looks better already. Within the next few weeks, we'll get the stone on, and, and that will be a great improvement. So we really appreciate, and God bless MP Global, because <laughs> that, that equipment made all the difference, and we really appreciate it. The other thing I want to mention is n next week we're going to reinstate Donut Day. So next Sunday we will have donuts and coffee from about 9.15 to 9.45 and. Um, yeah, just to, as a recovery point from the night before, so don't celebrate too much. And um, so that will be next week. Anybody is welcome to come and, and fellowship. It gives us a little time to fellowship with one another. If you have your Bibles, in Revelation chapter 2, we've been going through. Usually I get up and teach on, on finances and receiving the tithes and offerings, but it just hasn't been there because you know what? I believe in tithing. I believe in we need the finances. I understand that. But if we're just doing it to do it, then it really isn't accomplishing what it's meant to do. And so we've been going through um, the churches that are mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 because if you go through and understand, that's what God is. It, it, he goes through and explains what God is looking for in a church what pleases him, what doesn't please him. And not just this church, us individually are members of the church. This church, the community of believers here, but the church worldwide, the body of Christ, this is what pleases God and what doesn't please God. And it talks about we've gone through the loveless church um, in Ephesus, the persecuted church, the compromising church in um Starting with the loveless church in Ephesus, the loveless church, they loved the things and the activities and the accolades of good works more than they loved God himself. Now, good works, what you did yesterday, that was tearing that down, that was a good work, and we really appreciate it. But that shouldn't be the ultimate. The ultimate purpose for us to be here is because we love God. God and we understand God and his word is one, are one. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so if we really love God, just love God, we love his word. And we allow the word of God to be priority in our lives and work in our lives. Then the second church at Smyrna was the persecuted church. They suffered much persecution, but God never issued any disapproval to them. He just thanked them and approved of their faithfulness. They were faithful whether times were good, whether times were hard, and mostly for them, things were hard, but they were faithful, and it's very important. God honors, rewards, and is pleased by faithfulness. Sometimes we look for the big explosion, you know. Everybody wants to go see Boomfest, the big explosion, but it's the little things. He said if we're faithful in the small things, will be rewarded over much. And then in, in um, Pergamos was the compromising church. They, they allowed compromise in the church of the Nicolaitans, and ultimately the problem was that their compromise led to adultery and immorality. And if you know, if you understand adultery, God says we should worship him first and foremost. That's the whole thing. And the level of 
of um, idolatry and immorality in this nation is is beyond belief. Um, it's at unprecedented levels in this nation. Corey Ten Boom, the Holocaust survivor, said, "The more atrocities and evil, the more they are, the worse they are. The more difficult it is for people to grasp and believe." And and we see that in the nation. You know the the cliche Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Well, the reason most people don't believe that is because of the level of depravity with him and his friends and the politicians and on his island. It's beyond belief. And people have trouble. We struggle with that. But but that kind of immorality, man, we need to be repenting of that, even though it isn't us. But... Um, idolatry of riches and lavish lifestyles and and just worship of sports and all of those things have been kind of put in perspective i think in the last few months which is a good thing then we come to the corrupt church in thyatira thyatira however you pronounce that so let me read that in revelation chapter 2 18 through 29 And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God who has eyes like flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than your first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. See, in the church today in America, it's just like we think God's just got his happy face on all the time. And there are things that... Don't please God. And we have to recognize that. And he says, I have these things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things of things sacrificed to idols. Now, there's a lot of misconception about Jezebel. And we hear a lot about the Jezebel spirit. That's not what it's talking about. That's not what it, who it's talking about. This Jezebel and the Jezebel in the Old Testament that was Ahab's wife are two different people. The problem with this Je- Jezebel was, first of all, you look and it says Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. You should never call yourself anything as far as the things that God goes. A lot of people just want to be a prophet. So they will call themselves a prophet or a prophetess. Just let God call you. And if the fruit's there, people will recognize. It's function, not title. And so when you begin to think about title and promoting yourself, as apparently she did, what happens is it leads to false doctrine. And the the thing that God did not tolerate or approve of in this church was that that church tolerated false doctrine. And the false doctrine and the wrong teaching led to idolatry and immorality. Because once you get off, it just starts a downward decline. Years ago, we had a minister. She ministered in this area a lot. Her name was Nancy Gray, a lot of you. And she did a message over and over and over through the churches in this area. And it was called, A Little Bit of Compromise leads to more of the same and I'll never you compromise a little here a little there and in the church in America is full of compromise we are very tolerant and tolerance is a big word but you know tolerance the thing we shouldn't tolerate first and foremost is sin in our own lives 
And if we put God first and his word first and let that word do a work in our life, it will eliminate and take care of those things. So the American church is, has the idea that anyone that is teaching discipline, holiness, and commitment are religious or legalistic. Instead, holy passion for the things of God have been replaced by personal passion and fulfillment. We are afraid of offending people by calling sin, sin, and we expect God to always have on his happy face. We need to recognize sin in our life. And the thing with sin is, sin is what, the reason God hates sin is because sin separates us from him. And sin causes our life to spiral downward. It's like sin is like the 18-wheeler coming down the highway. It might not hit you now, but if it hits you, it's going to wipe you out. And, and God doesn't want that. He wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. So he gives us ways to have that. And if we get in the word and we follow those, then not allow or not tolerate those things in our life that cause us to go downward and cause us to walk into error, then we ultimately will have the God, life that God wants us to have. So it's very important. I've been going through these things because it is very important that we have our lives in order. I believe God's on the move. God's doing great things. And I keep saying, I want to be there. I want to not I want to be on the front line. I never wanted to be a bench warmer. I wanted to be in the game. And if you want to get in the game, then make sure you have these areas in your life in order. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Dr. Mark um, Barclay, at the beginning of every year, he's, he's apostolic and prophetic. He puts out uh, predictions for the year, and uh, the Spirit of God impresses upon his heart. And I like to go over them because we, we need to hear it. And he says, this year, 2020, is designed to be a year of plenty. Plenty of blessing... For those who walk with God and live his holy lifestyle and plenty of trouble for those who don't. Say, year of plenty. It says, we will see more and more Christians working as double agents. One day for the kingdom of God and another for the kingdom of this world. Time to decide whose side you're on. Here's one that's come to pass. There will be a spirit of civil war in America. Without deep intercession and the intervention of God, great rioting in our streets like we've never seen before. Have we, are we seeing that? Yeah. 
He says, um, many of God's rules, laws, and ways will be cast down if the church does not show up on election day and vote for those who support our God and his ways. He says, we will witness both a meltdown and a reckoning in Washington. Time to pray. Here's one, but this doesn't apply to you. Say, this doesn't apply to me. Many disciples will be anemic and lethargic as they saturate themselves with the news and the drama of the day rather than the ministry and the word of God. You know, I, I used to watch more the news. I don't anymore. I'll look at the headlines because I don't care if it's Fox, CNN, or whatever. If you listen to that all day long, you'll have a spirit of fear. God will blow his trumpet in Zion and sound his alarm in the holy mountain, and many will come and be saved, healed, and delivered. Here's one. I like this one. There will be manifestations of angels. As we praise and worship our God, there will be times when we will hear the choir of heaven in our sanctuaries. I can tell you this with full assurance, and I've had it happen once. I was standing right there by myself praying. And I heard the angels sing a song, and I wrote it down. Um, Here's another one. This is good, too. Demons will manifest this year, but totally bump into each other as confusion scrambles the region of the damned. Their schemes, wiles, and attacks against the holy saints miserably fail. That's a good one. I begin to, he says, I see the beginnings of a final great revival of repentance and many, many people running to the altar to be clean and shake off the effects of this filthy world, discharging demonic forces and breaking the bands of wickedness. Things will manifest, this is good, 20 times faster than before, both in the realm of good and in the realm of evil. 20 times faster. God will demonstrate himself strong on behalf of those who proclaim his word and live his lifestyle. Better check your records for your church attendance, etc. (laughs) The God of the tithe will manifest himself in the day of your trouble and in the valley of the shadow of death. How does your tithing record look? Maybe I shouldn't have read that one. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Let's end on a good note here. Oh, that's about the Antichrist. I want to read that one. Listen, we'll not be here when the Antichrist is. We're out. So don't be wondering if it's George Soros or Bill Gates. It's not. It's the spirit of the Antichrist, though, working. Okay? Oh, it says... um. Those who fight sin in their own life and to help others get free will be personally congratulated by the Holy Spirit. So that's our job, amen, in the church today. We're here to help people. That's what it's all about. We're here to tell them about Jesus, amen. Put up my uh, seven requirements, would you, Caleb, please? We've been on this series for a long time, and I want to read them to you and go over them again, the purpose of our series. Number one, recognize and embrace God's new, sa- new season. This is a new season, a new decade. Amen? Everything we do must depend on who? Christ. It's all about Him. Amen? 
Number three, you'll have to leave your comfort zone. That's not, let's, let's not do a series on that one. Four, it will require courage and obedience. Five, pers- this is the one we're on. We're going to be on this today. Personal responsibility to prepare. Everyone say personal responsibility. To what? To prepare. To prepare for the days ahead. Number six, separation from the world. And number seven, expectation of the miraculous. We serve a God that is miraculous. This is what got me into the things of God when I was a young man were were miracles and and the anointing and finding out God's word is true. He backs up his word with signs, wonders following. Amen. You can take that down. Thank you. Look at Joshua chapter 1. We gave you... um, Joshua, because the children of Israel are now beginning to get ready to cross the uh, swollen river, the Jordan River. I think it's probably about a mile wide at this time when it's flooding. And they're getting ready to cross, you know, they've crossed the Red Sea, and now they're getting ready to cross the Jordan. It's flooding, and I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm sure, you know, they think figured if God would, the God that got them across the Red Sea can get them across the Jordan River when it was swollen. But Joshua was the new leader. And I want to read this to you because this is an important passage of Scripture. And this has to do with preparation. The last Scripture will tell us that. But I want to read this to you. You know, when when I preach, I better give you more word than my own Reader's Digest condensed version of a sermon. You come to church here, I'm going to give you the word. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all your people, to this land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, All the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Now, who said that? God said that. This is their inheritance. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's that's encouraging, isn't it? Joshua needed encouragement, this young leader. We need to hear that too. Be strong and of good courage. Say, be strong and of weak courage. No, good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Here again, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8, very important scripture. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? You shall what? Meditate once a week. Just on Sunday morning. No, you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous. 
then you'll have good success. You see all kinds of formulas for success, folks. But I'm going to tell you the best one's the Word of God. Have I not commanded you be strong, harvest church, and of good courage? Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp, command the people, saying what? Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you'll cross over this Jordan to go into the possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Say possess. Now up until this time, how did they get their food? Huh? Fell from heaven. Manna from heaven. Quail. Whatever. But now what did they have to do? Prepare their vittles, (laughs) prepare their food themselves. They had to forage for their own food. What does that mean to you today? What does that mean to me? That means you and I have to take personal responsibility in preparing ourselves spiritually for what is to come. And that means you've got to... You know, just what I read to you, what what the Spirit of God is saying to the church today through Dr. Barclay, you have a responsibility and I have a responsibility to hear what the prophets are saying, what the apostles are saying in this hour, and then do it. You can't, you know, I just just hope, you know, I, I barely get out of here when Jesus comes. If you have that kind of mindset, you know, let's come, come, Lord Jesus, even now. Lord Jesus, come and get me out of here. You know, that kind of mentality is not being strong and of good courage. That's being weak and pathetic and indifferent and selfish. We have to prepare for the days ahead spiritually. And we do it by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. What you see now on TV and you see going on in the cities, all these negative things, these evil things, you know, that's a smoke screen. Don't get caught up in that. We serve a big God. And God is well able to deliver his people. But he's calling his people to prepare spiritually. That's why it's so important. You get in the word yourself daily. You get in the church You know, as often as you can, you get involved in church. Thank God for the local church. Now, you have to take responsibility. Why? For preparing spiritually. Why? Because we're going to see in the weeks and the months and the years ahead the greatest outpouring of God's Spirit this world has ever seen. Now, I can't tell you it's tomorrow or next week, but you know what? Noah was told by God, we've been talking about Noah, to build an ark. Inland, there's no body of water around him. He built an ark. They probably thought that guy was crazy. He worked on that thing a few years. Rain, what's rain? What's, you know? Well, one day it did. And I'm telling you, God, the Spirit of God is going to be rained down and poured out upon his church. And upon planet Earth, and you know, before we we um, 
are raptured out of here, we have a, a responsibility. We have work to do. We need to roll up our sleeves. There are people today that don't know Jesus. And our responsibility is to get them the gospel and, 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 and build relationship. You don't have to go knock on the door. <laughs> In fact, people do that to me, I'll probably slam it. No. Jehovah Witnesses, I, you know, I, the reason I got rid of them, they were at my door years ago. I told them I pray in tongues, and they got all scared and ran down the steps. So if you want to get rid of Jehovah Witness, that's how you do it. But we, we need to have this mindset of, of preparing for this outpouring. And you have to do something with your spiritual life. You have a responsibility. I can't make you, Nate. I can't show up on your door and make you read your Bible. I can't make you pray. I can't make you worship. We have to do it ourselves. We have to take the initiative. That's where the church is at right now. It's so important. It's vital. Now, we gave you... Uh, four slogans, we said, seek his face, grow in grace, find your place, and finish the race. That's what we need to be doing right now. Now, we'll go on here in a little bit, but I want to I want to define the word prepare. You know, we looked at it in the Hebrew, and we looked at it in the Greek, but it means to, to ready oneself for a meeting with a person, to get ready to meet someone. Well, who are we? Who do we want to meet? It means to set apart or consecrate. It means to make ready, make arrangements or preparations for coming events. How do we? How how does a believer prepare? We prepare internally. What do you mean internally? We we prepare our what? Our hearts, spiritually. We prepare externally. There's things we can do in the natural. Now, the days ahead, some people are, are geared to witnessing. What do you mean witnessing? I mean telling a stranger about Jesus. We're going to have to learn how to do that. I'm just not, I'm not geared pastor to do that. I'm, I'm a shy person. We're all, we all have different personalities. That's the body of Christ. But we can do things. Even if you're not bold enough to speak to somebody, could you hand them a little pamphlet? What I'm going to do in the days ahead, I won't tell you when. It'll be in the future here. I'm going to give you some pamphlets. They're called tracts. And what they do is tell people how to be born again, how to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I'm going to give you each one a week. And you, it's between you and your God and the Spirit of God. You, you know, just don't go out and be led by the Spirit and pray. Say, Father, who, who do I need to hand this to today? Lead me, Holy Spirit, to the person, the individual that needs Jesus, whether it be a waitress, whether it be a co-worker, whether it be a total stranger, whether it be a neighbor. Could you do that? How many could do that? I'm not talking about giving them... 20 different instructions on how to get to heaven. If you could just hand out, even if you, if you, uh, in a restaurant, 
How many of you leave tips? I'm a good tipper. If you're good to me, I'll be good to you. Do you think you could leave a track with with a tip? A good tip. A good tip. All you beauticians say amen. We're going to be doing that. Now, we said we prepare by walking in wisdom. We talked about that. We talked about wisdom as the Bible says in Proverbs. It's a great banquet. We said wise people prepare, fools don't. And we said wise people are not lazy. So if you're lazy, what does that make you? A fool. I knew this would go over. The tomatoes ripe, you'll be throwing them at me. But it's the truth. Wise people are not lazy. They're industrious. They work. They roll up their sleeves. Now, look at Hebrews 11. I I just love this chapter, and I, I like this verse because it fits what we're talking about. Preparing for the days ahead. Look at verse 6 of Hebrews 11. And we gave you Noah as an example. There's other patriarchs here, but we're concentrating on Noah. It says, but without faith, it is what? Impossible to please him. Now, how many want to please God? You want to please God? I want to please God. Well, then how do you please God? Faith. By faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. How many believe that God is? And that he is a what? A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now it goes to Noah. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah was divinely warned. Now, I'm asking you, have we been divinely warned about the years ahead? If you go to this church, you've heard some spiritual warnings. I've told you who to listen to on the Internet. There's a lot of things to listen to and people listen to on the internet. You better listen to the ones that are wise. But there's warnings going out and admonitions going out to the body of Christ right now. And we need to prepare. The Hebrews, in Hebrews eleven seven, the Amplified says, Prompted by faith, Noah being forewarned by God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. The message translation says, By faith Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see. He was warned about something he couldn't see. And acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. Now, why are we preparing spiritually? Why should we act on what we've heard being spoken by prophets today and apostles today 
Because there are people out there that need to be saved. They need Christ. Say they need Christ. We said faith pleases God. We said faith is not hope. We said faith says the same thing the Word says. We stated last time, faith believes God has done it and is doing it. Faith does not consider the circumstances. Like right now, just don't get caught up in what's going on in the world. Faith grows out of the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. Faith is an action. Say that. That's so important. Faith is an action. Your actions reveal your faith. No actions, no faith. We talked about, well, let me ask you this. What's, what's mental assent? Don't get all excited. I'm not going to call your name out to tell me what mental assent is or sense knowledge. What is mental assent? It, it, it looks like faith, but it's not faith. Okay? Mental assent, what is it? Oh, this is the Word of God. I believe it. But it doesn't go any farther than that. There's no action. There's sense knowledge, you know, people that are so moved by what they see and what they hear, what they taste, what they feel. That's not faith. And you have to be careful. And we gave you Abraham's formula in Romans 4.17. Abraham, number one, believed God's word. Number two, he did not consider contradictory circumstances. What, what was Abraham's and Sarah's contradictory circumstances? She was 90 and he was 100. And God said, you're going to have a son. And number three, he gave praise to God. We said, faith. You don't go to God and ask for the same thing over and over. And do you think God would get tired of that? You ask God once, and then you thank him for it. That's faith. Then you'll see the manifestation. Now, look at Hebrews eleven seven again. Let's go on. Take just a couple minutes and talk about the next thing that's so important. Was Noah in faith? Why was Noah in faith? How do you know Noah was in faith? Because he prepared. How did he prepare? He built the ark. There was action. But there's, there's another principle here that's so important. It says he was moved with godly fear. Say that. Moved with godly fear. Once more. Moved with godly fear. Moved with fear is one word in the Greek. And it means reverent awe. It means to be cautious. It means to beware. Now, in the Hebrew, when you look at this word for for fear, it means to stand in awe of something or someone possessing great power. Does he possess great power? The fear of the Lord. Now, this this is important. Uh, if you don't, if you get one thing today, just leave with this. The fear of the Lord produces wise, healthy action. The fear of the Lord produces wise, 
healthy actions. To fear God is to reverence and respect Him to the point that your greatest desire is to please Him and obey Him. Let me say that once more. To fear God is to reverence and respect Him to the point that your greatest desire is to please Him and obey Him. What did Jesus say? I always do those things that please the Father. W.E. Vine says, A reverential fear of God is not a mere fear of His power and righteous retribution, but a wholesome dread of displeasing Him. A wholesome dread of displeasing Him. I've told you before, when I was a young man, and I've told you before, I grew up in what era? The 70s. And I don't regret much. I had a lot of fun. We weren't like today. I mean, yeah, in some respects, but (laughs) 70s, you know. And But there was one thing in the back of my mind, even before I knew Jesus. I never wanted my parents, I never wanted to hurt them. My father was a businessman. I didn't want to bring reproach upon him and and my mother. I I always wanted to do those things that were right. I wasn't always successful. But most of the time, I stayed out of trouble because I wanted, and I knew that and really didn't care about God at that point, but I didn't want to hurt my mother and father. Well, when I got saved, that just transferred into, I, I always want to please you, Father. I always want to please you, Lord. That, that's the fear of God. How many of you want to please God today? Well, then you're walking in reverent, reverential fear of God. And you know what? That's a whole, I talked about that in times past. That's a whole nother. We could go on weeks and months on the fear of God. But you know, there's a lot of benefits. Read the Bible of fearing God. We also said the reverential fear of God will inspire a constant carefulness in dealing with other people. We said to fear the Lord is to have so much reverence and respect for Him that your greatest desire is to please Him. Say, my greatest desire is to please the Father. Ephesians 5.21 states that submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. If we don't fear God, we'll never submit ourselves one to another. If we don't fear God, we'll never submit ourselves one to another. Now, you don't need, we need to submit to authority. Do you agree with that? And But through early years of ministry, too many churches and ministers required people to submit. You've got to submit. And, you know, a lot of men thought women have to submit as their wife. Huh. I learned a long time ago that my wife was not going to submit to me. That's right. That's for sure. But if, if we don't fear God, truly fear God, we're never going to learn how to 
submit to God alone and submit to God to others around us. The fear of God will precede the humble, broken spirit that produces a submission to one another. And in these last days, we need to submit to God. And you can submit to authority. You can come into a church and submit to the authority that's resident within. You know, I carry authority. But I don't run around saying, I've got authority. You need to submit to me now. Would you go and serve a man of God like that? I'd run the other way. You only submit to authority as long as that authority submits to God. If I don't submit to God as an under-shepherd, you have no right and no business submitting to me. And submission, that's a... Do you think that's an evil word? No, that's a, that's a safe word. If there's proper order in the house of God, and I believe there's proper order here. I said I believe there's proper order at Harvest Church. Now, Noah, we said the fear of the Lord produces wise, healthy actions. Noah, being divinely warned of things yet, not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark. Noah was moved by two things. Say two things. Number one, he feared God, which led to wise, obedient action. Number two, he didn't want to tread water for a year. He didn't want to tread water for a year. He knew judgment was coming. Now, Turn to Genesis 22, and we'll close with this. Genesis 22. We're talking about Noah. We're talking about preparing for the days ahead. Noah prepared in faith, and he prepared in godly fear. So how do you know you're walking in godly fear? Well, I already told you one. What was it? I already told you, yeah, that's, that's another, I'm not hearing the word. I'm not hearing the word. How do you know if you, if you truly fear God? You know it, you know it, so don't get all stewed up. I get stewed up, then I can't think. Relax. If you truly fear God, you'll want to do what? Please him. Okay, here's the nut. Here's the last one, second one. If you want to know you're walking in the fear of God, Genesis 22. Oh, this is such a good passage of scripture. It says, "It came to pass, verse one, after these things, that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering." On one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. (laughs) Wow. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Now, does it say Abraham argued with God? What's it say? He just saddled the donkey. Took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes. 
and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young man, oh, this is so good. Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Oh, I love that. What is that? Faith. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. What do you suppose was going through Isaac's mind at this point? And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. Now listen, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. The best evidence of our fearing God is our being willing to serve and honor Him with that which is the dearest to us, or the most important to us. Abraham passed the test. Amen. So, what's important to you right now? What's the most important thing to you right now? I don't know. The house you live in, the car you drive, the money you got in the bank. What's the most important thing to you? I, what do you? What should it be? Yeah, serving Him. Hearing those words. Oh, I, I want to hear those words. Let me ask you a couple questions. As a believer, how many believers here? How many believe Jesus is Lord? As a believer, what actions are you taking right now as a result of hearing what the prophets are speaking to the church in this hour? What actions are you taking? What should you be doing? Preparing. How do you prepare? We've been on this. How do you prepare? You prepare internally, spiritually, and externally in the natural. You prepare your heart. What else do you need to do? We, how many of you got a little of the world in you? I've only got Jesus. Well, that's good. But if you're acting like the world, talking like the world, and you can't tell the difference from you and a Christian, and somebody in the world, what should you be doing to prepare for the days ahead? Just give me some. We're a small group here today. I'm, I'm in no hurry. I know you are. What should prayer? 
word, spiritual things. What's another thing which you could be doing to prepare for the days ahead? Praying in the Spirit, yeah. What? Getting in His presence. I'm not hearing what I want to hear, but we'll keep. Worship, that's a good one. (laughs) You're close. Fellowship with one another. Where does that happen? Where does that happen? Church! Do you know preachers today have a lot to compete with? Years ago, everything surrounded the church and activities of the church, and I'm not big for activities and having an organization for every troubled person in the church. I'm, not, I'm just not that way. I'm not geared that way. I want to give you the word. I want you to grow up and act like a true disciple. One more question. What action should Harvest Church be taking to prepare for revival? What should we be doing? Declare. We've already been told by the prophets. What are we supposed to speak? Let's stand up. Mercy. What else can we do to prepare? I don't, it's not a tough question. Love, yeah. What? We pray. Boy, that's... We pray here on Wednesday night. How do we pray? We pray in the Spirit. We pray in, in other tongues. That's part of preparing. Praying out the future. That's important. You have to prepare in the natural. You prepare your phys, the, the physical, you know, in the church itself. The building itself. Making it look attractive to people. That's part of preparing. I, I was so blessed today. I was sitting at my desk. I know what's going on. I look out the window. I watch. Nate, and Abe. Nate got out of his truck and walked. And I, where's he going? He went to the ditch and he p- picked up a pop can. Was that important? To me, it is. See, I wouldn't go to a church that looked run down. The grass not mowed and the weeds not pulled. Why not? Because I think that's indicative of the fact that the church is the same way on the inside. We need to prepare for people. We have five rooms now. Thank you, coronavirus. We have five rooms. That if this place and this place was too full, we can funnel them into other areas and they can watch it on the screen. I heard somebody say, well, that's great for funerals. Well, I'm not preparing just for funerals and overflow of funerals. That's all right, but I'm preparing for people that they're hearing about Jesus and experiencing some miracles and are excited and want to hear more about him. So there's, there's a lot we need to do to prepare. Amen? I'm glad you came today. I'm glad you're a people that are preparing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak the living word of God. I declare and decree a thing this day, and it shall be established. And light shall shine upon the pathways of the people of Harvest Church. I declare the people of Harvest Church are awake spiritually. They're not asleep. They're not in slumber. But, Lord God, their spirits are alive unto you. And I thank you, Lord, they hear the voice of the good shepherd daily and the voice of a stranger. They'll not follow. I thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that our people are not afraid to witness. They're bold as a lion. 
I thank you, Lord, you order their steps in your word daily. I thank you, Lord, you turn their hearts daily in the direction that you'd have them to go for the steps of the people of Harvest Church. Lord God, they're ordered of you. And I thank you, Lord, you're putting them and directing them to the right place at the right opportune time that, Lord, when they open their mouths, words will be given to them and they'll fearlessly and boldly make known the mystery of the gospel as they should. I say today that truly signs, wonders, and miracles follow the people of Harvest Church. I thank you, Lord, they don't have a spirit of fear, but of love and a power and a sound disciplined mind. Thank you, Lord. These people are blessed spiritually, blessed physically, blessed financially. Their families are blessed. Their marriages are blessed. And I thank you, Lord, you daily load them with benefits and blessings in the name of Jesus. So thank you, Lord. Today, what you're doing in our hearts individually, what you're doing in this church corporately, we're changing for the better. And I thank you, Lord God, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you can pray like that every day. Pray. You got kids that aren't living for God? Pray the word over them. Call those things that be not as though they were. Be an example to them. Love them into the kingdom. Amen? And prepare, 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 prepare. I want to get it in you. Is it getting in you? Amen. Well, sit down and I'll preach a sermon. No, I won't. Boy, God. I love you. Anyone here today need prayer for your physical body after working yesterday? Tim, you're here. Amen. What's wrong? Your stomach? It's what your father's cooking. You need to eat your mother's cooking. Does it hurt now? Father, in the name of Jesus, you said we could lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. I speak healing to this stomach and I say, peace, be still. His digestive system function as God ordained it to in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, ma'am. How old is he? Two and a half, and he's had a stroke. And okay, what's his name? Lane. Father, in the name of Jesus, she stands for her friend's child, Lane. I rebuke the spirit of death in the name of Jesus, and I loose the spirit of life, healing, health, strength, and a miracle for him and this family in the name of Jesus. God, Father, give the doctors wisdom to treat him effectively I thank you, Lord, for your mercy for him this day, and we loose angels to go and minister to him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Well, um, announcement-wise, just prayer on Wednesday. What else? 
and well, donuts, that's really important. At least it is to me. Amen. And all the other policemen in Norfolk. Amen. God bless you. Have a good, safe 4th of July. But don't forget Sunday after the 4th of July. Amen.